again what a delight it is to be present and how I praise and laud the presence of our God for the privilege of presence. I want to give honor and deed deference to uh, our presider, Dr. Philpott. Uh, what a privilege always in proximity of such a gift. Always honoring our leadership, uh, Dr. Uh, our moderator, Barber, and of course, Sister Williams, and all of you who serve uh, on that uh, luminous list uh, that categorizes our leadership. And, um, and I'm thankful to be present. I want to perhaps finish today what I commence with on, on Tuesday, uh, recorded in Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, Second Corinthians. I want to look again at verse at chapter 4 and I want to draw our attention uh, today to verse 1 and verse 16 and I'll read verse 16 through 18 18 or the 18th verse uh, perhaps is the focal text the bedrock uh, of our thematic thrust and so we'll look there look with me now uh, verse 1 reading from the New American Standard Version of Holy Writ I lift verse 1 therefore uh, since we have this ministry as we received mercy we do not lose heart verse 16 verse 16 look with me at verse 16 Verse 16 and following. Therefore, we do not lose heart, <clears throat> but though our outward man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Again, I want to focus on this operative functional phrase perhaps that I pitched at the commencement of our time shared uh, in study and that is the phrase we do not lose heart we do not lose heart we do not lose heart now that's so pivotal and so critical to every level every dimension of kingdom industry hence church engagement if you've been engaged in the church for any length of time you would agree that church work has its moments of perhaps challenge 
and its moment of controversy. Again, I want to lift this because I think it is so necessary. How many of you who spent time in the context of kingdom industry, how many of you have ever felt like giving up? Let me, let me see a show of hands. Perhaps worse than giving up, maybe not worse, but perhaps it teeters on perhaps that line would be those of you who have given up, hear this, but you are still positionally present. Now, now, now here, here's what it looks like. You've grown lax. And laxity, if it's not reversed, morphs into laziness. And perhaps, problematically, the pervasive problem of the local church, if it's not laxity, it's laziness. So climactically, here's what I pitch. Um, some years ago, one of our most gifted, most talented Kendrick's cousins uh, was funeralized. And of course, uh, I attended the funeral. And uh, the rhetoric at the repast was what riveted my attention. Of course, I, I didn't know him that well. We didn't grow up generationally in the same context. Didn't know him that well. But here, everybody who knew him, they talked about him. And of course, here, here was the rhetoric at the repast. He was so smart. He was so talented. He could do anything. He was so gifted. And here's what really, literally, riveted me in a very, perhaps, transcendent way. Was one of the cousins said, today, we buried potential. He, he, you got to get this. He, he, here's what he said. That the boy had so much potential until the lamentable, hear this, the lamentable factor of his death is that he had so much to give life. Probably don't mean a whole lot to you, but here's my query. Here's my question. How many churches are dying with potential? You're so gifted, you're so talented, intellectually, you are smart, but yet your church is in decline, in decay, decadent, you're dying, while perhaps in regularity, coming every week, but dying with potential. Somebody said dying with potential. I, I, I perhaps cherish transportationally my vehicle and I cherish it because cause I, I love it yes the drive love it for the speed indeed ultimately I love it for the power it's, it's BMW I love it for the power I say it again I love it for the power um, whenever I perhaps have 
the tendency uh, to transgress, perhaps that is speed, uh, I can do it because I love it for the power. The other day, I perhaps returned from a trip and my powerful vehicle, BMW, had been sitting for a few days. And when I went to crank it, the panel indicated to me that there had been, hear this, excessive battery discharge. It was just sitting as powerful as the engine is, here it is, tur turbo charge, but it was sitting, and while sitting, here it is, I went to crank it, and here's what it indicated, excessive battery discharge. Now, now you understand, inquisitive, curious, curious I, I had to research, because I want to know what, what caused this excessive battery discharge. Here's what caused it shutdown that brings with it parasitic current draw suggesting that whenever the car is not operative or functional here it is there is a parasitic current draw there's a parasite that's drawing the power <laughs> All right, now y'all come, y'all come, y'all come, because he, he, here is my question to you. I don't know what your local parish, I don't know where it's located, but I want to suggest to you, could it be that our churches are in decline? Could it be that we have parasites in our pews? That's drawing the current. <laughs> could, could it be that the spirit cannot be prominent? Indeed, the spirit cannot be premier. The spirit cannot be paramount because of the parasites that's drawing the current whenever the spirit wants to do something he can't do it here because of the parasites that keeps drawing Parker Palmer writes a book titles the book let your life speak let your life speak in which here's what he notes he notes that most of us and particularly religious organizations, but let me just for, for the sake of conversation, let me say church. He notes that, that the church perhaps has what he calls a functional atheism. Functional atheism. Now, he, he defines it as perhaps ultimate responsibility, that is our perception, as if everything depends upon us. We act as if God is not real. He says we have a functional atheism. And matter of fact, can I come a little closer? If you look in most of our churches, it's hard to spot God. Functional atheism, here it is. We, we talk God talk. But if God ever speaks up, we don't recognize his voice. Let me say it another way. We talk God talk, but if the leader ever presents a God vision, us can't do it. 
and us can't do it because us operatively functionally have embraced the spirit of atheism as if the ultimate responsibility of the vision depends upon us somebody says shame on us African-American theologian Yale Divinity School William Jenkins of course I would encourage every preacher particularly preacher pastor but laypersons uh, he has written a commentary and of course the commentary is on the, uh, the Acts of the Apostles the Acts of the Apostles and of course he has some very insightful perhaps uh, uh, vision views to share with us but, but one is what I share with you this morning, particularly those of you who operate within ministry. He says that the church was born between the space of fear and faith. So that's where the church was born, in that tight space between fear and faith. And he says that is the space we are forever in. Now, preachers, pastors, let me give it to you. Church was born in the tight space between faith and fear, or fear and faith. Let me tell you this, preacher, leader, that whenever God gives a vision, here it is, it's in a tight space. Yes, it is. It's always between faith and fear. Yes, yes. Now, has God ever told you to do something and cognitively you would give some cognition indeed some thought to it and all of a sudden you started trembling because as a leader he, here is your perhaps take because you know the folk they ain't gonna get with it they won't embrace it but we live between the tight space somebody say a faith, faith. And, fear. and fear now here, here's the big picture that if God gives you something to do here it is residentially intrinsically to what God gives is faith if God gives it here it is by the mere fact that God has vouchsafed or God has given it intrinsically here it is therein is faith God gave it it's faith it's it's faith now, now here's the point whenever God gives something don't forget the tight space between faith and fear one of the reasons many churches don't do much is because we fear we have too much fear leaders can't do anything because they fear if they don't fear the folk they fear the devil if they don't fear the devil it's always this fear here's, here's my question to you here's my question to you what has God spoken to your church lately are you operating in a spirit of fear or spirit of faith now I ended yesterday and I want to pick up on it then I'm going to come to a close uh, I ended yesterday by suggesting to you well I didn't end I pitched yesterday and I pitched this whole idea that the Lord has grounded the church graciously in grace we're grounded in grace and I said we are grounded in grace for, for, for greatness and growth. That's what I said to you, right? Yes, sir. 
then I said, he didn't only ground us in grace, but I said to you on, on yesterday that, that the Lord has given us a goal for grading, now, which I suggested that the Lord's going to grade his church according to the goal that he has given. Then I concluded by suggesting to you that he has not only given us, hear this, a goal for grading, but he has given us a gift for graduation. Now that's shouting stuff because here's what it suggests that God, hear this, never expects from me to graduate without a gift. So he gives me a gift for graduation. Here's what graduation looks like. Ultimately, graduation for us looks like Christ. But he has to gift me for graduation. Somebody say, I'm gifted for graduation. Now, having said that, there's a few things I want to talk to you about and then I'm finished. Um, one of our problems, um, perhaps um, years ago, Edwin uh, Friedman wrote a book, and of course, uh, it, it was a, a, a groundbreaking work, and, and it still now is reference and research. Years ago, he wrote a book, and he titled the book, The Failure of Nerves. The failure of nerve. And then he went on, subtitled it, it Leadership uh, in, in the Age of, uh, of Quick Fix. Suggesting that everybody want a quick fix. Because we live in that, that age. But, but, but he, he titles chapter one, which I think is quite interesting. Here, here's what chapter one is titled. Here it is, imaginative gridlock and spiritual adventure. Imaginative gridlock and spiritual adventure. Now, let, let me take the back end first. Spiritual adventure, because truth is kingdom, work in the kingdom is spiritual adventure. You gotta get that. And if you're going to work with God programmatically, and that is, God is always pitching his program. Now let me just say parenthetically, uh, just because you spend time crafting a program doesn't mean that God is going to sanction it. God is always, hear this, behind programmatically his program. All right, now you got that, right? But let me tell you, Work in the church is spiritual adventure. It is adventurous. Say it's adventurous. Now, now it's adventurous because you don't know what you're going to bump into. And you don't know who perhaps you're going to bump into. And you don't know who's going to bump into you. you. You can never predict the saboteurs, that is those who will try to sabotage your service. You don't know who. Matter of fact, you don't even know where and from whence they will come. And sometimes, sometimes the saboteur is not outside of your circles. Sometimes, sometimes it's, it's in proximity of your ear. 
Now you got to get that. But, but, but here's what he say. Our problem is imaginative gridlock. That's it. Somebody say imaginative gridlock. Can, can I tell you that, that a dying church, you, you, you always know a dying church. I can sit down with you for, for two, perhaps ten seconds, ask you one question, and, and I can categorically determine whether or not you headed to the graveyard. Here's the question. It's not deep. It is simple. You ready for the question? Here it is. Here it is. What does your future look like? Let me come a little closer. Here's what I want to ask you. Here it is. What does the future of your church look like? And you'll discover that there's imaginative gridlock Hear this, that's prominently subverting existential progress. We can't make progress because of imaginative gridlock. Can't nobody see. And nobody is seeing, hear this, transcending to the linear. Now, Lucy Shaw gives, I think, a brilliant definition of faith. She defines faith as the widening of the imagination. And that, that whenever you walk in faith, imaginatively, blinders come off. And, and, and you, you expansively move from what she calls the linear to the wide. Suggesting that it is imaginative faith that categorically puts us in the realm of the spirit. And whenever I'm in the realm of the spirit, there is what she calls unfavorable possibility. Suggesting, as I suggested to you yesterday, in the language of that German theologian, Ergen Moltmann, that the Holy Spirit is not just another gift among other gifts, but the Holy Spirit is the unrestricted presence of God on the inside of man. And what's really sad about the church, we act as if God is restricted. Everything we do is within the realm of human possibility. I want to see a church do that which is not cognitively processed to the end and everybody can do it. Say um, imaginative gridlock. Can I tell you, if you're going to have a better church, you got to see it first. Can I tell you, if you're going to have a better life, you got to see it first. Can I tell you, if you're going to have a better district or association, you have to see it. Say you got to see it. Okay, now let me give you this and then I'm finished. Um, here's what the church has to appreciate, appreciate. And I think perhaps we're diminishing because there is this kind of depreciative spirit that is perhaps in currency in, in, in the work of the church. We, we depreciate what we ought to appreciate. So let me give you a few appreciations. All right, and then I'm finished. Um, here it is. The first thing that, that, that we got to appreciate is we got to appreciate the sovereign. We got to appreciate the sovereign. Now, now let me tell you that somebody say appreciate the sovereign. Okay, let me tell you how the sovereign has been de oh, hear this, depreciated in the local church program. 
Y'all ready for it? Most churches, perhaps structurally and uh, systemically, most churches are under the sovereignty of boards. If not a board, a constitution. If not a constitution, hear this, tenured members. We, 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 we have depreciated the sovereign structurally and systemically because our churches are not run by the sovereign anymore. No, there's somebody else sitting at the head of the table who runs the church. There's a chairman who runs the church. There's a president who runs the church. And then, of course, there's someone who is recondite you behind the curtains calling the shots. But at the end of the day, we have appreciated the sovereign. Shame on us. And one of the reasons we are in, hear this, in a decline, disparagingly, is because he has been depreciated. Everybody's voice carries more weight than he. I wish we would come to a meeting and not take opinions for this meeting. But, 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 he, but here, here's why we gathered. We gathered to hear the voice of the sovereign. Yeah. I want to hear the sister, not this side. Sister, I know where you're coming from, but I ain't come to hear you. Can we hear what the sovereign has to say? Uh, and let me tell you why we're not growing. Perhaps I've got you happy on this point. Maybe this will be it. Can I tell you, we have, somebody said we got to appreciate the sovereign. Now, if you don't appreciate him, I'm going to tell you, your church is on a dismal decline. Your church will not gain any momentum. I don't care what the morale is, but the spirit won't get behind what you're doing if you don't appreciate the song. You're going to be what Joanne Gray calls, you're going to be at best a robot church trying to roll you yourself to progress. I was going to talk about we got to appreciate our simplicity. I was going to talk about we got to appreciate our style. And then you got to appreciate uh, your status. I was going to talk about that. And then I was going to tell you you got to appreciate your stature. Because truth is, you ain't that heavy. You ain't that but an earthen vessel. Perhaps you ain't that but dust. You got to appreciate your status. And then I was going to tell you you got to appreciate your stats. Because Paul says, Paul, when you didn't say it, like he wanted them to get saved. Because there were some other cats that were attracting them. Wasn't preaching nothing, but they ran to it. And Paul says that you came to come discouraged because they're running to the church down the street. The preacher is manipulating
you got to appreciate his intelligence. Oh, yeah. Ain't nobody in the house smarter than he is. You understand? Oh, but not only must you appreciate his intelligence, you got to appreciate his integrity. Yeah, Whatever he does, he does it for the glory of God yeah. and the good of the church. Somebody say appreciate his integrity. Here's where I'm going to my seat, because I just love this one. I appreciate the solid. I appreciate his intelligence. Why don't you stand to your feet? Why don't you stand to your feet?